At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn, and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Insight Live. I'm here with Brendan Kay from Master Talk. We're going to talk about mission and specifically how do you find your mission? I've been thinking a lot about this and I've been thinking about the idea of broad mission versus narrow mission. We all hear this that we should niche down, niche down, niche down, or niche down, some might say. And I think there's a ton of validity to that. Yet a lot of times people who are saying it, they haven't done it, or maybe they did it, and then they broadened from a niche that was more narrow, and then they got more broad. I definitely heard that, but it's a fascinating subject to explore because there is no specific one way to reach or target a mission. There is, frankly, infinite possibilities. And I think we all, human beings, have a decision to make on what we want to set our eyes on in terms of a mission, in terms of a a course that we want to set the trajectory to reach some kind of destination. And one of your heroes, Lewis Howes, he talks about having 100 million people a week that he can train, coach, teach, through his podcast and other mediums, which is a huge goal, right? Big, big goal. But in order to have that broad of a goal, he's got to be able to put out content that will be appreciated by a very wide group of people. It can't be too narrow. Yet on the other hand, again, I think most of the experts will agree. If we were to pull all the experts, they would say, go small, target a very specific audience. So I want to start there, Brendan. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts as you think about mission and you think about the people 
who you model your own life, your own career after, but also as you think about somebody who's listening right now or, or watching, and what, what advice would you give them as they think about their own mission that they choose to take? You know, it's funny, Billy, that when you're talking about experts, I was like, oh, there's experts on this topic. I need to look them up and start learning from them. <laughs> I think the best place to start, Billy, is this idea, and this is probably the biggest mistake we make as humans, including myself, is we get romantic about these things. You know, if only I found my passion, Billy, if only I found my purpose, my mission, my soulmate, the only one for me, that one person, the one we call it. It's this romanticism with these types of ideas where the challenge begins. I'll give you the best example. If Steve Jobs was born in any other era but this one, he wouldn't have built Apple. He would have built something else. If Bill Gates wasn't born at that time period of history, he wouldn't have built Microsoft. Somebody else would have. He would have built something else. right? And, and that's the first piece that we need to start thinking about. Steve Jobs, he was born in the 1500s. Mm. Probably would have done something else, inventive, creative, but have nothing to do with computers or Apple or design. So what does this tell us? It tells us that a mission is not a singular thing. It's not a binary answer to a question. It's not a yes or no thing, but rather, to your point, a path of self-discovery, a path of understanding ourselves, a path of self-awareness, and the people who ask the most questions about themselves often figure out the answer that makes sense to them, right? John Donahue says this so well in an episode he did with Lex Freedom. He said, you know, Lex, the problem with life's meaning or mission or purpose is the idea itself is interesting. It's fascinating because as human beings, we never even really thought about this idea until recently because a thousand years ago, you weren't thinking about what your mission was. You were thinking about putting food on the table because tigers were chasing. I'm just <laughs> kidding. That's probably not what happened a thousand years ago. But what I'm really trying to say is this idea of a mission, this idea that we need to find our purpose is a very new phenomenon because we've solved every problem. Most, most human beings, knock on wood, most of them live pretty well, especially if you live in the US or Europe or Canada or any other most countries. So now the only question left is why are we here? So Donahue really argues about what is a mission, but don't worry, I have answers to the question, but I, I wanted to preface that to begin. Well, right, and I think that's a great way to begin because to your point and to his point, it is a fairly new phenomenon. We didn't care as much back in the day, whether that would be 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, however many thousands of years ago, our priorities were very different. And if I'm being super truthful about it, even today, I would say a good percentage of the population, their priorities are very different. They're not thinking about, well, what is my life's purpose? What am I here to do? To your point, they are actually still thinking very specifically, I need to make sure that I have food, that I have clean water. And so Obviously, that's something that I know is near and dear to your heart because of the work that you're doing with Charity Water and helping to get clean water to more people. And it's, it's sad that here we are in 2021 and that's not the case. So I think it's a good, great way to preface the conversation. And at the same time, because we are in this state where so many of us do find ourselves privileged to live in a world where we can think 
about our legacy and about the life that we lead while we're here and what will happen as a result of us being here. And that's a really privileged place to be. And so knowing that, it's a serious responsibility. If we have that, now we can do something with it. And the power of that is awesome. It's unbelievable. And so that's why I think we need to have this conversation, not, you know, despite the fact that we are all equally privileged, but because of it, because we have that privilege, because of that, we have to put some thought into it and really dissect and talk about what goes into it. So now, now that we got the introduction out of the way, Let's dive in and get some of your thoughts on this topic that I know you're, you're excited to share. So take it away. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. It's, it's the fascinating question of how do we find one's mission? What are the components around that? And what I've learned from all of the people I've studied, whether it was Lewis Howes or Gary Vaynerchuk, Brene Brown, all of the great people who have very specific missions, is the way and how they got that were, was completely different. Some people just knew innately that's what they wanted to do. Elon Musk is a great example of this, where when he was 11 or 12 years old, he read Isaac Asimov's, who was a famous science fiction novelist. And through reading that, he had an interest for space, a passion for it. And he knew his endgame was to be on Mars. Very specific. Same thing with Gary Vaynerchuk when he was growing up as a kid. He fell in love with the New York Jets. He knew that he wanted to be an entrepreneur at like the age of nine or 10 years old, something crazy like that. He was selling baseball cards and making like $1,000, $2,000 a weekend. Pretty nuts as a 10, 12-year-old or something. And he knew one day he wanted to buy the New York Jets. That was, that was his thing. It was always his thing. But for most of us, we, we don't really have that clear answer to the question. It's very vague. It, it becomes this, well, what if I don't have a mission? Does that mean... I won't ever have one? Does that mean I won't ever get one? So here's a couple of ways that I think about this. Back to what I was saying earlier, the first step is really self-awareness. It's going back to what you want out of life. And the only way to do that is through asking yourself a bunch of questions. I'll give you a couple of ones to think about. The first one, which that alone, 99% of people I've talked to, probably more than 99, have an answer that I think is really useful for those individuals, and for me including, right, is if you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? You had all the money in the world. If I gave you a billion dollars right now, what would you do with your time? What time would you wake up? How would you spend that time? And this is where we start getting the first clues, the first nuggets on what I'd be doing. So let's say I ask this question to somebody. Most people generally answer with travel. Okay, you know, Billy, I'll just travel. I always respond with travel where? How long are we going to be traveling for? Are you going to be traveling until your whole life and then you're dead? Or are you going to travel for seven years and then do what? And then after I push them a little bit on that question, then they start saying things like, well, I would write all day. Or I would listen to music. Or I would write my own music. Or start a YouTube channel or do something like that. And then what you want to do is write those things on a piece of paper. And that's probably the first inkling of what that mission is. Okay, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And you've shared that in the past. And every time you share it, I think to myself, it's so simple yet powerful because if we can actually do what you're suggesting and take the time, because most of us are so busy and we got so much going on. We're so in our lives, but we're not working on our lives. It's kind of like working in your business, but not working on your business. So I need to write that down. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to forget that. I need to write that down. It's great. The problem with that is that we aren't 
reflecting and we're not allowing ourselves to harness the self-awareness that we that we built for the years that we've been living on this planet. And because of that, we are not having the honest, frank conversation with ourselves and the eye-opening conversation that could result by asking ourselves this question, by giving ourselves this prompt, right? If, if money were out of the way, if that weren't a factor at all, how would you choose to live your life? What would you be doing? And get super specific, super granular. Okay, we've done that. Now what's the next part of the process? First of all, that was probably the best thing you've said in all of our 27 episodes. <laughs> I love that. I, did you come up with that? I, I, that's just taken from what people say in business all the time, but I've applied it to life. I'm definitely taking that. I, I still agree with what you said, because that's worth repeating, right? For people to hear is people live in their lives, not on their lives. They're not working on their lives. They're working in their lives. I thought that's so powerful because it's so true. So many of us are just going to the next thing. We're trying to get to the next deadline. Instead of looking back at our life from a third-party perspective mm -hmm. and seeing ourselves live and realize, oh, I won't actually be alive for a long time. So what are we actually doing to optimize that time? So great insight, Billy. Thanks for sharing that. That was a great note that I had to take a note on. That's really yeah, good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that it resonated. I'll just want one quick thing before you finish your thought there. Go it's ahead. an altitude thing. I think it's Eben Pagan who I was listening to. He talks about getting high altitude on your life, getting a perspective, mm. right? So to your point, and I think this is, you know, kind of what you alluded to, mm. when you get that altitude, you're able to see your life from a different perspective. When you're kind of at ground level and you're kind of immersed in it, you don't have that perspective. You, it's, it's for the same reason that a football, defensive, offensive, they always have people up high looking at the way all the, the players are moving. So they get perspective so they could see it better. And so, you know, I don't care what analogy you use, but giving yourself that kind of perspective does help. But, but finish your thought. That was excellent. I completely agree. That's this is actually blowing my mind on on camera live. <laughs> Brendan, I, I love that. Hold on. <laughs> Brendan's just surprised because he's usually the one sharing the insights, and I've managed to <laughs> I've managed to get a few insights in. So, thanks for letting me. <laughs> no, that was that was really good. Please, I mean, if that's the level of quality you're sharing, please, please take more of this space. I mean, I, normally I just like asking questions. That's what I'm good at. I'll let you do the insights. <laughs> I normally don't write down when I'm doing an, an interview with somebody. So very good stuff. All right, man. But yeah, the, the second piece going beyond that. So first of all, let's really put a nail in the coffin here. We really want to encourage everyone who's listening to this live right now, because you've, you've, you've been listening to this for, for a while now. You know, as you're listening, it's more important for you to pause this live, even if we'd love for you to keep listening, but to take a piece of paper and start writing that answer down. Because most people, we always write the question that we don't answer it. And Alex Hormozzi has a great quote on this. Alex is one of my mentors. I will look up to the guy. He says, we often need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. Oof. And what he means good. is you could know something, but if we don't apply it, then it's not going to get us anywhere. Okay, but let's go to part two because I know that you're was curious gold, brother. Thank Ding. you. It's all Alex. It's good. <laughs> Ding. Right? So the second piece beyond that question. So answer that question, then go to part two or else part two won't serve you as much. Part two is what we call models. Okay, so what's the objective thing? Because remember, mission is, is a vague subject. It's hard to tackle. So what do we know for sure? And what we do know with absolute certainty is there's billions of human beings before us who have played this game before. 
who have done this rodeo, who have done their life A to Z and have either passed away 10 years ago, a year ago, 100 million years ago, whatever, or maybe not 100 million. That's maybe too big a number, but 10,000 years ago or something. So models allows us to see how other people have lived their lives and then figure out from those lists of people, who are the people that personally resonate with us? And this is what's great about the human experience is that all of us are truly unique. We're all completely different than the next person. Even if we share the same values, we share the same principles, the actual human essence of who we are is completely unique to us. Why, why is that important? Why am I emphasizing that? Because when you do this modeling exercise, it's going to be very difficult for you to match your top three people to somebody else's top three. So essentially what the exercise is, is pick three people. And I'll tell you my three if you're curious, Billy. Pick the three people that you really want to model your life against and ask yourself, why did you pick those people? Because what's great about picking three is it forces you to make a choice. By picking three, it also means you didn't pick the seven other people who are really, really good too. So pick three people that you're modeling your entire life on and ask yourself why those, or even just a little bit, why are those people, why did you pick them rather than everyone else? And that really gives you an idea of who you are and also the life that you're trying to optimize for. Absolutely love that. And yes, we'll get into who they are. A couple of things percolating in my brain as you're talking. First and foremost, if you've read Think and Grow Rich, you probably know one of the things he advises is to visualize kind of like a, a personal board of directors, people who you in some way admire, respect, or hold in high regard because of who they are and what they've done, what they've achieved. And so in my mind, what I'm thinking is, okay, you have these three people and you could have three, five, 10, but you're suggesting three at minimum. And I like that idea. I'd like to call these people mental mentors mental mentors. And what these mental mentors can allow us to do is actually almost get real-time feedback from them. What would this person do? What would Tim Ferriss do? What would Joe Rogan do? Like, I'm just, who, whoever it is for you, right? And by the way, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan aren't mine, but I'm just mentioning those as examples, right? And I already know who yours are, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. So point being is if you have these mental mentors, these are people who you you study these people. You know them about as well as you can know someone without actually knowing them personally because you've read their books, you listen to their podcast or whatever. Maybe you've read their biography. Maybe it's Abraham Lincoln, right? You know how they operate. And the better you know how they operate, the better you'll be able to be served by and from them as a mental mentor. So I absolutely love that. So Brendan... Let us know who your three mental mentors are. And the other thing I'll say for, for the people who have already done this exercise and are saying, Billy, Brennan, I want more. You know, I'm always listening to the show. I want the next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the real silver bullet, but I don't want us to emphasize too much on it, but I'll tell you, I'll spill the beans. The truth is somebody who does this exercise right isn't modeling their life against three people. They're modeling their life against thousands of people. And they're taking slivers from all of those people and, and creating a unique life for themselves. So there's a bunch of people that didn't make my top three that I, I sincerely model a lot of things from. Peter Thiel, my mom, my sister, right? A bunch of individuals. But what the three do is it really gives you clarity over the type of person you want to be. Mm. Because those people 
have a higher percentage of traits or characteristics that you want in your life. So that's why these three, it's a good starting point. It keeps the image, keeps the visualization exercise a lot easier. So going to those three people, very difficult choice for me to make. But I would say that those three people right now are Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Howes, and Seth Godin. Close fourth place, I have to mention him. Scott Harrison's a close fourth. It's very difficult. It was it was between Lewis and Scott for third place. But yeah, Who's Lewis is probably... Well, it's not really a ranking. I shouldn't have said that. It's not really a ranking. Seth Godin's number one, I bet, because you, I think, model who you want to be most similar to him. Maybe you're not a blogger, but I think you really appreciate his thought leadership. You're right. If I had to rank on all areas of life, who, who am I the most similar to? I would probably say Seth Godin is first, Gary is second, and Lewis is third. I'd probably rank in that. I wonder if Seth rocks out in his basement dancing like you do. <laughs> Maybe he does. Well, what's, Maybe he does. What's interesting, and, and I want you to finish this thought, but it's fascinating to me that there's 110 billion human beings, roughly, that have ever lived. Ever. I didn't know that. 110 billion, and this is estimates. How do we know, right? And over what period of time? Certainly there's argument over that, but many think hundreds of thousands of years. And, and some believe in, you know, and that's fine. They believe in a, a different timeline. Regardless, there have been a lot of people who have lived when we didn't live. That's one, which is fascinating. And think about it from this perspective. If you ever think I'm older or I'm younger, remind yourself of this. Anyone who's living right now on this rock flying through outer space that we all live on and call home, Earth, we're all living at the exact same time. So the fact is, is that anybody that's living at the same time as you, you are damn close in age. You are so close in age to everybody who's living right now because you're living at the same time. Not only that, mm. but what's really fascinating is there's never been a time in history where we know what other people are doing as much as we know right now. And so this exercise is so powerful because guess what? A thousand years ago, all you had access to were maybe very limited understanding of other people, maybe the people immediately around you. But now our access is not only vast because of the people living, but also the people that lived before us and knowing the history. We can't tell the future yet, but man, you have a smorgasbord of people who you can model your life after. You're just rocking this episode, Billy. I love your bird's eye view on things. <laughs> this is super exciting. But the and excellent points. And the thing I'll add to what you said about the ranking I also want to take back that statement. I don't think the ranking is the right analogy here. I think the right analogy is like puzzle pieces that complete each other. So think of your life like a puzzle. Uh, let me just do this correctly. There you go. A puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to fit it into the square. The three people, or in my case, I'm cheating. Four. Okay, okay for me, it's actually four because it's hard for me to pick between Scott and Lewis, to be honest. But the combination of those four people is Brendan or represents who Brendan is. There's actually a fifth person, but isn't a real person. It's a, so they don't actually don't have to be real. They can also be fictional characters. And now I know it sounds really bizarre. So I'll go yeah, ahead and I say that. No, no, that's you'll great, think, man. You'll think I'm in a, you'll be think I'm in a, insane or be the same, a, bro. Right? <laughs> Where'd you hear that one from? <laughs> so the fifth one is a fictional character named Light Yagami, who's the head, who's the, the main character in a show called Death Note. I actually argue, I, I actually model a lot of my life against him as well. But I need to watch that so bad. You told yeah, me to watch that really like do. months ago. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know why you're I, watching football. I, I, I don't understand I gotta, that. But I, <laughs> I know, right? Like one football game is like seven episodes of Death Note. I don't understand how you've not watched that yet. But anyways, it's not even that long. But anyways, the point I want to drive with people is it's not really a ranking system. It's about... Okay, let, let's explain this differently. You're actually getting my brain to work really hard on this in an interesting way. So let's say we take a puzzle, right? And the puzzle is a thousand different pieces or 10 different pieces or 100 different pieces. And I love what you said about how we have access to more people. So the more people that you study everyone, the easier it is to figure out the piece of the puzzle. And once you've studied a lot, because I've studied thousands of people in my life, I've added a little bit of everything from everyone. And I have a very unique representation of the puzzle piece of my life, which is different than Billy's and different than everyone else's. So what is the point here? The point is when you pick those three or four people, it really gives you clarity. So let's, with that said, with that analogy said, let's go ahead and jump into who are those people for me. So the first person is Seth Godin. And I would say the biggest lesson I've learned from Seth Godin is this. It doesn't really matter how much money you have or how much status you have or how popular your books are because he's achieved everything. New York Times bestseller. I mean, name it. I mean, he, he's, he's done it. But even despite that, never lose your sa- insatiable sense of curiosity to keep innovating on your thought leadership. I think the craziest thing about Seth is instead of him coasting on a beach now, because he, he, he can do that. He's, he's been able to do that for a long time now. Instead, he makes the decision to still create every day, to create thought leadership, to keep pushing. Why? Because he believes his unique experience is so unique that after he dies, no one else is going to be able to create like Seth Godin does. And he takes that responsibility as a creator really seriously to the point. And I can't say this for a fact, but I can say this like based on my observations of him. Even if we gave the guy a billion dollars, he would still want to continue to write blogs still want to create. And I have so much respect for that. He's not doing it for the money. That's clear. I mean. No, it's just, it's not possible at this point, right? And for those who don't know Seth as well, he gets paid. I'll skip the details of who he is because we have a whole episode on him. But he charges 100, 150,000 easy, like easily US dollars per speech. So it, it's, it's not really for the money people, for those of you who are, who are skeptical of that. It's really to push the thought leaders. Th- think about his books. He could have stopped at three books. Why does he have 18? 18! I, I think I might have lost. I might even, somebody might even correct me in the chat. Actually, Brendan, it's 19. And you know what's crazy? I still bet money that he's going to keep writing books. That's nuts. But that's also why I respect Seth. Because it's a constant reminder for me. Hey, Brendan, don't get lazy. Yeah. As you're getting better with communication, as, as you're getting smarter over time, and you start to learn more about other areas of life, don't get cocky. Always be a student to the game and always be the best teacher of the game in the things that you care about and the things that you're good at. So now that we we know who your three are and you've just highlighted a highlight from Seth, I want to make this as, as practical and specific for anybody listening. And, and if you have more on your other two, definitely welcome that. But let's think about it from a perspective. Okay, prompt here is how do you find your mission? And so if they start by writing down what they would be doing with their time if money weren't an issue, and then write down the three people or maybe four people who you model or could potentially model your life after in a way that you really just, you see what they're doing and you connect with it. You like that. And before we get into what we do next, let me just ask a a quick clarifying question. How do you know, what, what are the things you should be looking at 
to make sure you're picking the right people. Is it lifestyle? Is it family? Like different things for each person? What What do you think one should do to either eliminate people from the list or add people to the list? See, this is where we enter murky territory because I love this clarification question. And the reason it's murky waters is because everyone values different things and they care about different things too. So let's say we take somebody like Seth Godin. And I, I love what you said because there's different ways and how we can measure somebody's life. It could be the relationship. And Seth Godin's been happily mar- married for many, many years. He just doesn't talk about his relationships in public eye. He's also someone who he leads with a lot of heart, right? For example, he's, he's, he's flew out to Charity Waters headquarters and didn't charge Scott a dime, right? Like he's a good guy. He's definitely well-intentioned. He does a lot of podcasts. In the context of a mission, though, to keep this simple for folks, is for your people, the answer is going to be different. But the key is each person that you pick is going to give you another clue in your scavenger hunt, in your treasure hunt to finding your mission. So I'll give an example with Seth to be a bit more specific here for people. Is after I started following Seth, I knew I wanted to be like him. So what does that mean? I knew I wanted to be an education guy. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to help other people through my brain, right? And the ability to communicate things in simple ideas and simple forms. But I did not know what the topic was going to be yet. Mm -hmm. I just knew I wanted to be a teacher when I first listened to Seth, but I didn't know it was... You knew the kind of the container, but you didn't know what was going in that container. Correct. Exactly. So, and that's what Seth Godin gave me the gift of is he said he inspired me to become a teacher too, but I didn't really figure out what that was going to be yet. That's the first clue. Does that make sense, by the way? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a really important point because I think one might say, well, I I don't want to be a blogger or I don't want to be like, they could find things that Seth does and they could say, no, that's not really me. But what you did was you found the parts of him that really connected with you. And even though you're not a marketing thought leader, you're a communication thought leader. And so there's differences in the actual topic and then the, the specifics, but the, the broader portion of it that he, the way he carries his thought leadership, that's the foundation that you're building from. Absolutely correct. What inspired you to choose Gary Vee? And I'm curious about that too. I think what will help a lot of people too is let me give other examples of other people who do this. So Kobe Bryant, he knew at a young age, he wanted to be bigger than Michael Jordan. He's a basketball player, for those who are wondering. (laughs) And Michael Jordan has been known as the best basketball player of all time. So he wanted to be that person. So when he was 12 and he made the decision, I'm not even joking, people. It's actually 12. Go watch the interview. You can DM me on LinkedIn. I'll send you the interview. He said to Patrick David, hey, look, I want to be the best in the world when I, I knew when I was 11 or 12 that that was the decision. And he modeled the life against MJ, but he wanted to be bigger than MJ. So that gives you an idea of how modeling works. But in his case, in sports, it's a lot easier to do because the achievements are practically the same. So you just copy paste. You just want to do it bigger. Dwayne Johnson did the same thing. So when he got into his movie career and he got signed to the same agency as Will Smith, he literally went up to his agent when he asked him, hey, Dwayne, what do you want to do with your career? He said, I want to do Will Smith, but bigger. He says that in an interview with the LA Lakers team when he gave a speech. Dwayne doesn't do a lot of interviews, by the way, for those who are wondering. He doesn't do a lot on personal development and stuff. There's only like one recording of him doing a 15-minute thing on YouTube in front of the LA Lakers. And that's what he explained in that interview. 
he said models are key and he's like i want to be will smith i totally respect the guy love the guy to death but i want to do it bigger so models help us they guide us but what one thing nuance i really want to draw here is notice how i don't really care about movies like will smith i love the guy i totally respect his accomplishments but will smith is not on my list in the same way with dwayne johnson i could probably guess seth godin is not on his and that's really the key here is your list is your list. It's unique to yours. But what me and Billy are driving for people is you're not spending any time thinking about it. As a collective, not like you, we are not spending enough time. Like Billy said it best, we're working in our lives, we're not working on our lives. And that's what we really want this live <laughs> to be about is, is to start thinking about those things. I want to get clear on the modeling piece because I think it'll play into Gary Vee and anyone. How should we be thinking about understanding the model that they've set forth and then us, we're not copying them necessarily, or maybe we are, but like, what, how are we deciding what to take and what to leave and basically how to best use their modeling to inform the decisions we make to craft our own mission? I don't know if that makes sense, but, but if it does, hopefully... It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I'm happy to share my framework. But once again, personal decision. I always like to give that disclaimer. But for for Seth, the way that I did it with all of these people, most people I study, I look at all areas of life. So for example, with Lewis, I'm not going to take his, the way that he deals with his personal romantic relationships, but the way that he thinks about his business, I do. When it comes to Gary Vaynerchuk, most areas of life, absolutely. His mission the way that he leads with his family, but the way that he builds his businesses, no, I don't want a $100 million business that strangles me every single morning when I wake up, right? I don't want that. Or when I go to Seth Godin, amazing, right? I love his lifestyle, amazing lifestyle, great thought leadership mission. He's got a great family, but he's not public enough about, he's not vulnerable enough about his, about some of the challenges he had in his life. You don't hear a lot about his life and I didn't want that. But Notice how that's very unique to me. I'm going through thought leadership. I'm going through business. I'm going through relationships. You can also look at health too, right? Like Lewis Health would love to take that. He's in great shape. works out all the time. Gary Vee only recently started doing that. Seth, I'm not really sure if he works out. So that's, <laughs> I don't really know. I could be wrong, but he never talks about it. Does that help? Yeah, that was exactly what I was looking for. What thought do you put in? How much are you thinking about what you're taking and what you're leaving before you make that decision? Yeah, and, and I think context is super important here because every human being is different and we're all going to value different things. So I'll give you my personal lens and how I'm looking at this, this idea of a mission. For me, the only thing I care about, because context is important, the most important thing out of every criteria that is weighed much higher than everything else is doing something important with my life. I could live in my mom's basement for the rest of my life. It really doesn't matter. What matters to me personally is doing something important, doing something that will actually make a difference in people's lives because I have a, a finite amount of time and I want to do something meaningful with it. So because of that, I weigh that factor much bigger. So if someone's, as an example, not as an, a truism, but if someone's super overweight, but they have an incredible mission... I still weigh that as someone I want to respect and admire and look up to, even if health is still really important, right? So I don't know if that directly answered the question, but what I would advise people is really sit down on a piece of paper and ask yourself, what are the three things that you want out of life? 
or the three things that you prioritize in life? Like, is health more important to you or relationships? And some of you might say, well, I can't make a decision between the two. Trust me, if you really dig in yourself, you'll realize one is a bit more important than the other. Yeah, you got to stack rank your right? priorities. You got to figure gotta out what priority matters the most. Like what, what is the king of priorities? What's what, and then the, from there going down the list, cause not every, everything can't be a priority. Otherwise priority would, that wouldn't, they wouldn't be prioritized. And so you yeah. got to figure out what's most important. And then from there, plug in people who have modeled exceptional ways to embody what's important to you in their own lives. Okay. So let's go to Gary V. Go ahead. What were you going to say? One other thing that you made me think, because I like that you're pushing me on this, brother, because it's more helpful for people so that they can implement. The other piece that I think is crucial is energy and emotion. So let's say when you're studying someone like Seth Godin or Gary Vee, there's going to be specific parts of a story that resonate for you personally, emotionally, where somebody else wouldn't get that same emotional reaction. So I'll give you an example. When I think of Seth Godin and I think about the generosity and how he shares content, every day he shows up, every day he creates content, like that creates an emotional, visceral connection from me to him that I'm like super passionate about. Whereas somebody who's listening to this is like, what's wrong with Brendan? I'm like, dude, relax, man. He's like creating, he's just writing a, a blog every day. So, but... There's going to be something in Seth Godin's story that you'll resonate with that I'll be like, why do you even care about that? Like, that's not the point of Seth Godin. And then we'll start to argue and then blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is that the emotional reaction is also important. It's going back to those three people and saying, what is that emotional thing? What is that piece that resonates with you personally? And when you feel that emotion, I encourage you to write that down as well. Because I do that with my top people as well. Makes a ton of sense. The emotion component is we're humans. We thrive on emotion. And when we're in tune with our emotions, so much so that we can actually consciously think through, why did I feel this on an emotional level? What connected with me on an emotional level? And then again, have the ability to memorialize that happening in a way where you'll remember and, and appreciate that it's happened. And just writing it down does just that. Okay. So Clearly, one big factor with Gary is the emotion piece. What else stands out? What are some other factors? Yeah, I'm definitely down to get into Gary. And one other thing that I can comment on for Billy, since he's right here, so he's a good example, is let's say we all gather. Let's say we're all in this live stream together. And we all sat in a circle and we all asked the same question. What do we like about Billy? Everyone's going to give a different answer. And my answer, I can guarantee, is very unique to everyone else, which is loyalty. Like, I think the big thing that Billy is that I really appreciate about him is even if I was worth a billion dollars or zero, he would still be equally loyal to me. But somebody else who's sitting there in that circle might say something like, Billy's so smart. Like every time he's teaching LinkedIn content or somebody else in that circle might say, well, I worked under Billy when I was at Tesla. I liked his leadership. So there's all different answers for different people, but it's the one that resonates with us. So that's why I mean like the prisms of how somebody looks at somebody. Let's go into Gary Vee with that. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So with Gary Vee, I think for me, there's a couple of things that stand out for me personally. The first one is it doesn't matter how big of a big shot you are, stay humble. Always mm -hmm. pretend like you weren't worth shit, as he says. And I completely agree with that. And what I love about that is he doesn't just say it, he means it. Gary Vee's literally the guy, and I really want to set some context for people. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like this is not some random Joe, who's just a motivational speaker. He's a very successful marketing agency, fastest growing in the world. 
absolutely crushing on all cylinders. Yet, when he's on a phone call with the CEO of Campbell's Soup or something, and a kid is like, Gary, can I have a picture with you? He literally goes, yeah, give me a second. And he takes the picture with the kid. Like, how many CEOs can you count on your fingers who would do that? Makes no sense to me. But it makes sense to Gary. Because for him, it's everyone's equal to me. I don't care how big I'll end up being or what I, or what I am currently. Always treat people respect and always show the generosity. I think that's the, the biggest piece I got from Gary that I took from him, where it's, he's a constant reminder for me. Doesn't matter how big you become, always show up for other people. Mm. The second piece around Gary is just the certainty of him going for exactly what he wants out of life. Because I think Gary Vaynerchuk is the happiest human being in the world by far. Because he's so specific about what he wants in life. He gives this crazy story that I'll tell you in an interview he did with Tom Bilyeu. Because Tom pushed him on it. He's like, tell me that time where you beat your kids at basketball. And Gary was laughing. He's like, oh yeah, I actually did much worse than that. So let me give you the context. He has like two kids that are like five and seven years old. And what he does is he plays like a 10 point basketball game with them. He lets them score up to nine and then takes the next 10 and beats them. (laughs) (laughs) He's crazy. So most parents or most people listening to this. something similar. (laughs) Right? Okay. Oh, that's that's surprising actually. But (laughs) you would say that, but it's hilarious. But the key I never is, let my son beat me, by the way. Oh, that's funny. I love it. That's funny. Most people who are listening, like the average parent who isn't Billy or Gary, would probably listen to them and go, this Gary is like a sociopath. He doesn't let his kids win. He's probably some terrible human being. But from Gary V's vantage point, it's perfectly rational. And that's the secret to Gary's life is live life on your own terms. Another good example of that is Buying the New York Jets. Why would anyone want to buy one of the worst, I'm sorry, New York fans, one of the worst NFL franchises on, in the state? Like, why would you want to own that franchise? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense financially. Yet, Gary Vee has such an emotional, visceral connection to the Jets that he really wants to win a Super Bowl. And that's what I got from Gary is it is okay to fall in love with goals that only make sense to you. Mm-hmm. Because those are the goals. Those are the only goals that are actually going to make you happy than worth pursuing. But the sad part is most people don't. So here's the natural question. Right. What goals do you have that only make sense to you that would be in that same vein because you're modeling after Gary? Ah, that's a very personal question. I like it. You're hitting it right in. I thought we were focused on other people today, but sure. Yo, I mean, there's a lot, right? Like, for example, the whole idea with Master Talk and how I believe that there's millions of people one day who can listen to my YouTube channel because everyone needs communication training. It's just the problem is no one has showed up in a world where they can teach it in a way that's accessible to everybody, including six-year-olds. I think that's the first one. It's this crazy goal where I think a million, few million people will watch Master Talk and that will be the curriculum for everybody, for every school, for, for everyone who wants to master public speaking, they'll follow that course, that YouTube channel. I think that's one piece that's absolutely crazy. The other piece that's really crazy is I want to buy the water crisis. Like for me, you know, I think the water crisis is the world's easiest problem to solve. Mm. So as I acquire fame and status in society, what will happen is as my net worth and my fame increases, I'll be able to leverage that to to solve the water crisis as my network gets richer and richer. Mm. So that's another piece 
that I'm super passionate about, that I'm really fanatical about. I see myself like kind of a Scott Harrison's lieutenant. I was just going to say, that's like, if Scott's number four, you're getting, you know, obviously, not only are you modeling it, but you're modeling it and it's congruent with what he's doing too. Yeah, absolutely. Because because that, that's the goal. For me, I like the, and, and the third piece is in the same way that Gary Vee wants the New York Jets. What I want at the end of the day is solving as many problems as I humanly can. And I think the number of problems I can solve for I'm dead is two currently, which is public speaking on the water crisis, like if fully. But if I still have some life left in me, I'll probably find out a third one to solve. <laughs> I love it, dude. You got time, my friend. You're a young man. Okay, so now we've really discussed two big principles. One is writing a list of everything you would do with your time if money weren't an issue. Two, coming up and really thinking carefully about who are the few people. It could be two, three, four, five, but a few people, right? And three is the magic number, but three people, let's say, who you in some way want to model your life after, and they've done some remarkable things. You can pick and choose the outfit, right? Maybe you like the jeans on one person, you like the coat on another person, and you like the hat on the third person, right? So you're getting dressed. Now that you're dressed, I like working in threes. What's the third premise, the third thing that all of us could be doing to zero in on our mission? Because I go back to thinking earlier, like the way I teed this whole thing up is we hear niche down, niche down, niche down, yet some of the people that we end up talking about, they serve a really broad audience. And so I'm trying to reconcile the nuance and the, and the difference between, and not everybody has to have a Lewis Howes mission. That's the reality. If everybody had that big of a mission, then there'd be a whole lot of people not hitting a mission. So that's true. It's also true that there are some people who do want to have an audacious goal. They do want to have a big mission, yet they probably feel a bit stifled because they have to be in their lane. They have to be specific and think about how do I serve a very targeted specific audience? Because that is what I am told to do to get traction. So, and I don't know if this ties into the third thing or not, but I just wanted to, to remind you that that was one important pillar that I think we should dive into. So, so let's go into part number three, and then let's jump into what you, you were saying, because I, I think that's a fascinating one too, a fascinating angle to things. And we can definitely have a part two on mission. There's a lot to say and, and to gravitate. But the third piece that I think is really important for everyone listening, because you've done you know, the question, what would you do with your time? You've done the models. The third piece is don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. The best way to find your mission is to do with people who can look at your life from a third-party angle. And what Billy said earlier is something I really want to triple down on, or as he likes to say, double-click on, which is look at your life from a third-party view, like the whole idea of looking at life from the altitude. But the, the easiest way to do that is having somebody else do it for you. So let's say you're thinking about the question, but Billy's looking at my life from a third-party perspective. Or my coach, Vomsi, does that, or my business partner, Vomsi, does that too, where he looks at my life or my goals or my modeling and he goes, why aren't you aiming for more? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you thinking about this? So that's where the magic happens. Whereas if we do it alone, if we just keep to ourselves and we're like, okay, I'm just going to do this extra, it's a great start, but it's not going to keep us sustainable. 
It's not going to keep us accountable. And that's partially selfishly why I like these conversations with Billy, because it keeps me accountable when I forget to listen to my podcast that day. That's why I always say yes to this, even if it's 11 p.m., because I'm so I, I really want that back and forth. Right. It's a, it's a great investment in both of our times because we're both holding, holding ourselves accountable to each other. You don't need to know Gary Vee, people. You don't need to know Seth Godin. You just need to know one or two other people who are willing to answer this. Imagine how fun it would be. Wouldn't, wouldn't society be fascinating, Billy? If instead of dinner conversation sounding like, um, yeah, so how's the weather? Versus, <laughs> hey, Billy, I answered this question. What would I do if I had all the money? In the world? What was your answer to the question? Mm. And just comparing answers. Because if I'm looking at your piece of paper and I'm looking at your answer, this, this is what's fun about having a mission, people, this exercise. It's not like school where you're not allowed to teach. I encourage you to cheat. I encourage you to look at other people's answers. I encourage you to copy other people because that's the fastest way to figure out what you want to do. Because if Billy's got an answer and I look at his menu and I go, oh, I like number seven. I should have thought of Like I just wrote down a lot of stuff he said in this interview. Take it. So don't do it alone. Do it together. Boom. Love that, man. And I think it's so true too, because you, on so many levels, you're bringing a, another person into the mix, helps with accountability, helps with feedback, helps with having that dialogue. Often you and I will talk throughout the day and it- For hours. Like yeah, it's, it, yeah, no, we're, we can't get enough of each other like, on the This is the, not a live. five minute conversation, people. Yeah, we're yeah, like yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, you know, but, but that right there is- so, so valuable. And when you find people in your lives that fit that, you, you got to hold on to that. And that's a really special thing. So, so, so beautiful. And so as we wind down here, let's end on exploring the idea of the narrow versus broad. And what advice do you have? Because I think there's, for anybody that's ever tried to do something as an entrepreneur, or especially as a creative entrepreneur, whether that be a podcast, a YouTube, or anything, the common feedback is always to go narrow. And, and what are your thoughts? I mean, what, what do you think the right approach is? I think what I would say here, and I think it's an important topic because everyone's approached it very differently. Like I went super narrow, Lewis went super broad, Gary's kind of all over the place. And Seth Godin, we're not really sure. It's kind of like a mystery. I think the key is there's no one size fits all, right? There's seven ways of doing anything or 70 different ways. You have to figure out the path that works for you. But I think what I will say is I think having an edge on whatever it is that you're doing really helps. So if mm -hmm. we go back to the idea of self-awareness, when you figure out who you are, it's a lot easier to figure out those puzzle pieces and going, this is the mission. This is where I need to focus my time. And it also helps when you have a group telling you what you're good at and what you're not, because it's figuring out that piece then feeds into having a more specific mission, whether that's a broad or a narrow one. I'll give you an example. Lewis Howes was probably one of the most perfect people to have an, a, a broader mission. And the reason is because he's very relatable to most people. And he's able to simplify his questions down to a fifth grade level or a fourth grade level. So it's more accessible to everybody, including himself, because he's not good with like complex language. And he says this, by the way, I'm not mocking Lewis. He says this a lot publicly whenever he speaks about his podcast. And that's why he's so damn good at interviewing, 
So he takes someone who's like an expert of something and simplifies down that knowledge so much that it can naturally just benefit millions of people. And at the time when Lewis started his podcast, The School of Greatness, not a lot of people were doing interview style shows. So that, because timing is important too, but that coupled with his ability to interview that appeals to a mass audience with his personality and how he keeps it fun, but also his relentless pursuit of that one vision then led to something more specific a few years later. But something I want to really drive here, and then we'll go to the next piece, is Lewis didn't start with that intention. He didn't go, this is going to be the number one show of all time. He just followed his gut based on the things he knew about himself. Well, I have the network. I know Robert Greene. I know all these people. I don't know any much podcasters are doing this, and I personally enjoy it. So that's one piece, is not being afraid to try something, but the other piece as well is understanding what it is that you're good at. Let's compare that to me. So when you compare that to me, I was a bit different. Because I looked at my skill set. So back to Seth Godin, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I just didn't know what I was going to teach on. Because I was good at career coaching. I helped a lot of people land jobs and consulting firms and investment banks and different roles. So I thought I could teach on that. I knew I was good at like, I don't know, like giving life advice, like being a life coach next to Tony Robbins, you know, do something like that. But when I looked at all of my skill sets and what wasn't available in the market, I realized, and this is a question I asked to Bomsi when we had dinner. Bomsi is my business partner, for those who are wondering. Can the world live without you doing this thing? So repeat that world. Can the world live without you doing this thing? So when I went through all my things, can the world live without me doing career coaching? Yeah, probably. There's a lot of great career coaches in the world, to be honest. They don't really need me. Say life coaching. A lot of people have good direction. I mean, I could be good at it. I could be pretty good at it. Does the world absolutely need me to do that? Not really. But when I went to communication coaching, I was like, oh, like the world actually, I was, I actually genuinely believe that the world cannot live without me doing this thing. Because I was like, the way that I, I think about it, the way that I thought about communication was, was fairly unique at the time anyways. So I was like, I need to pursue this. But that rationale won't work with every single human being. But the point I want to drive here is the self-awareness piece is key. And then once you're self-aware, you can figure out where is your edge. And the, the easiest way to edge, the easiest way to edge, and I'll be super blunt about this, is you got to compare yourself to other people. Okay, a lot of people say that comparison is a bad thing. I completely disagree with that. I think comparison is a tool, like a screwdriver. And if you don't know how to use it, it's going to dawn on you. So if you're comparing wealth, if you're comparing status, if you're comparing like Instagram likes and comments, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you're comparing accomplishments, if you're comparing how did someone get there, what work ethic they took to get there, and how good they actually are, that's a lot easier for you to determine what does the world actually need me to do the most. What a way to end. Mike dropped on so many levels. You had me at the edge because what you said is it's not really about niche or not niche. It's about what is your edge? What is your unique talent, ability, skill that the world needs so bad? In fact, it needs it so bad that it would not survive without you sharing that need. And when you're able to leverage that edge, that's what sets you apart. That's what helps propel your mission. That's what helps guide your mission and informs what your mission is and how you achieve it.
So brilliant points. I love that you brought that up. This was an amazing session. I'm so glad that uh, we decided to do this on mission. If you liked this, please reach out. Let us know what else you want to hear. What else you'd like us to talk about any topic. Let us know and we're happy to do it. Brendan, I want to give you the final word as we end because I usually end. Go check out Master Talk with Brendan. He talked about briefly his YouTube channel. It's stellar with tons of great content helping you master your ability to talk, master your ability to communicate, disseminate ideas in an effective way so that you can make your mark, so that you can use your edge to make a difference. So with that, I'm going to give Brendan the final word. Absolutely, Billy. You know, I think we should do a separate episode just on how do you find your unique gifts? I think that'd be a fascinating because I got a couple of frameworks on that. A little teaser for next time. But I think the way I would like to end this for both of us is the following. Don't do it alone. A lot of the things I'm sharing in this live, I've advised Billy on countless times, but I'm not just telling him at a high level because I know Billy well. I go through him. I go, hey, here's what I think your edge is. Here's what I think your point of difference. And he does the same thing with me. Hey, bro, you're not doing this enough. You got to start moving in this direction. Start thinking about this to make your vision that much bigger. Don't do this alone, people. The key to finding your mission is that you need to do it with other people. You don't need to, but it's a lot easier and it's a lot more fun too. It's a much better conversation over dinner than uh, how are the kids and how's family? I mean, family is important, but you get what I mean. Go through these drills, right? Let's repeat that again. If you had all the money in the world, if I give you a billion bucks, what would you do with your time? Number two, who are those models? Who are the three people that we're following our life against? And why are we choosing those people? Be very specific and make sure those reasons are emotionally viscerating for you, that you get an emotional reaction. And then number three, don't do it alone. Do it together because together is better. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.